listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Father God, thank you that we have a God uh, that we can come to. No matter where we are, no matter what's going on, Father, we thank you. You are a God that is approachable, and that is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I I thank you for those that are able to make it out today on this holiday weekend, and we pray for so many of our our members that are traveling this weekend, just graduated high school or, or out on vacations. Lord, we just pray where they are. You'll keep them safe. And, Father, we pray uh, this morning as we come into your word that, Lord, you will, you will open our minds, our hearts, to understand it. And, Father, we pray for the Holy Spirit uh, to work in the way that the Holy Spirit needs to work in us individually, us collectively as a church, that, Father, we may fulfill the mission you've given us of making disciples for your glory, for your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible with you this morning, or you've got a phone that has an app with the Bible on it, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 21. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 21 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, Some of you remember the original game show, Let's Make a Deal, or you maybe watched it in reruns and syndication now with Wayne Brady on it. But if you remember how Let's Make a Deal worked, was a a contestant from the audience was picked, and then they were given a a prize, they were given something uh, that then they could trade in for, uh, maybe for a greater prize. And now, if you remember the way that the show worked, when the contestant had whatever they had, uh, that prize that they could trade in for, what? They couldn't see it, right? You know, maybe it was behind the, under a box, or it was behind a curtain, or behind three doors. You know, and they say, all right, do you want what's behind door number one, door number two, door number three? And what would happen? Sometimes they would maybe trade it in, and behind door number one, it, that, was, that was better than what they had. You guys remember way back when they used to have like the goat, you know, you know, they had the goat or the farm animal or they run like all the big food. And so sometimes they traded something in that was of lesser value, but they never knew what they were going to trade in for. God is offering you a trade. He's offering every one of us this morning in exchange. Now, the good news about this exchange is when God says, let's make a deal, let's trade something, he's not hiding it from you, I will go on and tell you it's going to be of greater value than what you already possess. And he says, hey, I'm going to tell you what this deal is. I'll tell you what this exchange is. And Paul says it right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what this trade is all about. Here's what this exchange is. It's just simply put it for you in one sentence. Jesus gets your sin. You get his righteousness. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Jesus gets your sin. You get his righteousness. So when you come into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is really kind of outlining how all this works. 
showing you the benefit of knowing Christ, showing you your life in Christ. And so what I want to do is let's just kind of take a step back from verse 21 and let's kind of outline the chapter very briefly because in your Bible reading, what you want to practice is always learning to put things in proper context. All right, so when you come to a verse like we just came to and say, all right, well, we're going to look at this one verse specifically, we always want to put that verse in context. So when you're thinking about what verses mean in the Bible, always remember this, context is king, context is king. So you want to look at what's coming before that verse and maybe what's coming after it. So let's kind of just glance with me, verses 1 through 10. Paul is saying in those 10 verses in the beginning of chapter 5 that there is a, a struggle within us as believers in Jesus Christ, that this earth is not our forever home, that we have another home, and that home is heaven. And so within us as believers, there's times where we're like, yeah, you know what, we want to be here, but we also want to be with the Lord. And so he says in verse 9 there, he says, so whether we're at home or we're away, we always make it our aim to please Christ. Then in verses 11 through 21, he begins to talk about a ministry that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And when you come to verse 18, Paul says that as believers, individually and corporately, when we come together as a church, we have a ministry. And look at what it says in verse 18. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All right, so, so here's your ministry, here's my ministry, here's all of our ministries, is that we are reconcilers. We help people find God. So the way we introduce people to God, the way we reconcile them to God, is showing Christ and saying, here's the one who does that work, his name's Jesus, we're just the messenger. All right, so we, so we have a ministry, Paul says we have a message, look in verse 19, that it is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, so what's the message of reconciliation we have? What's verse 19? That in Christ you can be reconciled to God. That only through Christ can you come to God and have a personal relationship now and forever. That's what Jesus does. He brings you to God now and forever. So we have a ministry, we have a message, but notice verse 20, we have a position. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. All right, so now we have a position. We're ambassadors. An ambassador is one who speaks on behalf of the person in charge. All right? So you could be an ambassador for the king. We have ambassadors uh, for the you know, U.S. that represent us through various countries around the world. And so when they come and they speak, they speak on behalf of the president. So we as believers in, in Christ, we speak on behalf of God. We have a message of reconciliation, and we're ambassadors for that. So we say here... And if you're new with us, our, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And so the way we want to love and lead people, one way we do that is to be a church that's a sharing church, right? We want to share. We want to invite people into our services. We want to invite people to hear the word of God. So one of our goals 
as a church this year is to have 3,000 personal invitations to our services. So for all of us uh, working together through the course of the year to invite 3,000 people to our worship services. Now, some of you think of that number and you're like, 3,000? How in the world can our church invite 3,000 people in the course of a year? That's insane. Here's how the math breaks down. Are you ready? If all of you will invite at least 10 people this year, we will blow 3,000 out of the water. Just think about that. One a month, and you can take two months off. And you got it. All right? Doesn't look so big, does it? Well, we have another goal in sharing. Not only do we want to invite people in our worship services, but as you're out and about, we want to encourage you to personally have gospel conversations where you're, where you're talking to people and you're talking about Christ. Now, as a church, again, we have a goal, 500 gospel conversations in the course of the year. And again, some of you are thinking, 500? Man, that's insane. You want to know how this breaks down? It's all of you doing it at least twice in the course of a year. If every one of us will do it two times in the course of a year, we will blow 500 out of the water. So that means you can do it two times and take 363 days off. Please don't though, okay? But that's how it is. See, and when you think about doing things for God, why in the world would we ever say a goal is too big? Why would we ever say we can't do that? Because do you notice something in verse 20? And I love this in verse 20. It just gives me so much encouragement. It empowers me. It should empower you to do what God's calling you to do. Watch this part in the verse. We are ambassadors for Christ. If you underline, circle, star, exclamation point in your Bible, you can uh, highlight this. God making his appeal through us. You know what that means? When you step out in faith and you invite and you share and you serve and you do what God's calling you to do, guess what God's doing? He's working through you and in you in those moments. Man, isn't that cool? Some of you are thinking Deshaun Watson throwing a touchdown's cooler than that. No, that's cool. God works through us. When we step out in faith. So there's never a goal that's too big when it comes to advancing the kingdom. And so now Paul has unpacked all of that for us. And then he lands us in verse 21 at the end of this chapter on this foundational truth that we can share, that we can hold on to, that God has done for us, that he has helped us. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ and he's offering us an exchange. And you notice how he starts out verse 21. He says, for our sake. Now, I preach from the ESV Bible or the English Standard Version. Some of you have an NIV out there. And so what the NIV is going to do is take for us and kind of slide it to about the middle part of that verse. But notice this is for you. This is what God is doing for you. God is doing this for your behalf. And what has God done for you? He made him, he made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin. So what Paul's getting at there is when he said he made Christ to be sin, is it says that he treated Christ as if he sinned. All right, that's what it means. 
Right? So it means he treated Christ as if he sinned. So when Christ died on the cross, God imputed our sin to Jesus, and in that moment, he treated Jesus as if he was a sinner, as if he had sinned. Right? Listen to a couple of these verses here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. So when Christ died, God put our sin on him. He treated Christ as if he had sinned. But we reject the notion that Christ sinned. You don't want a Savior who sinned. We need a sinless Savior. We need someone who was perfect, who kept God's law perfectly, who could die on our behalf. And you notice Paul kind of puts that right there in the verse, and don't skim over that. For our sake, for your benefit, he made Christ to be sin. He treated him as sin who knew no sin. Hebrews 4.15 says it this way, that we have a high priest that sympathizes with us, that's tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Maybe you have asked yourself this question before. Or you may have asked this question to someone before. I know I, in my point in life at times, have wondered this question and talked with people about it. And and now I have a more solid answer than I once did. Have you ever stopped and thought, can I make it through a day without committing a sin? You ever thought of that? Can you make it a day without committing a sin? Could you make it an hour? Did you make it 30 minutes? Did you make it 15 minutes without committing a sin? How about five? You make it five? See, some of you think, no way I can make it a day, right? Nope. No way I could probably make it an hour. 30 minutes? Uh, maybe. 15? I don't know. Five minutes? Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I think I could do it five. You know how I conclude on this when some, and I've, I've been asked this kind of recently, so it got me thinking more and more about it. If there's a breath I breathe, if there's a thought I think, if there's a time my heart beats in which I'm not relying on the Lord Jesus Christ for the power to think, breathe, and, and my heart beating, then I've entered into pride in my life. When I think I can go a moment in time without the restraining work of the Holy Spirit in my life from keeping me to sin, I've entered into pride. Can you think about that? Think about that with me. How much do we really need the Lord? I don't think we can make moments within our lives, let alone five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour a day without Christ working constantly in us, in our minds, in our thoughts, in our hearts. Can you imagine life, no sin? That's Jesus. Tempted in all points as we are, no sin, no darkness, 
No little sin. No little white lie. No big lie. Imagine around the dinner table when Mary has fed Jesus. And she says, was that good? Imagine how many times he had to look at mom and go, no. I wasn't. I wasn't one of your best meals, mom. It's kind of awful. Right? I mean, even the littlest sin where some of us would look at that person and go, yeah, that was good. As we've kind of pushed the scraps down to the dog, right? (laughs) People ask me all the time, they're like, is Sandra a good cook? I'm like, Sandra is a fantastic cook. I've been married to Sandra for 16 years and she is the best cook. You know why? Lee can't cook. (laughs) I can grill. I can make some bacon and eggs, but that's where it stops. So my wife is a fantastic cook, meal after meal after meal. Husbands, if you haven't picked up on that yet, you need to learn that lesson, right? Your wives can cook. No sin, nothing, never, once, ever did he sin. And here's the good news of that. Because he did not sin, now we have an exchange that God gives us. An exchange that God offers us. It says that he knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ gets your sin because God made him to be sin. And when you become a believer in Christ, you're in him, verse 21 says, and you get his righteousness. That means this on a couple of different levels. Having the righteousness of Christ means that you're declared not guilty before God. That you have the legal standing before God of innocent. It's what we call justification. You have just been justified by God. God now sees you positionally right now in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ like he sees his son Jesus. It's just as if you never sin. You're justified. Now, I know you are looking at me and thinking, well, wait a minute, I don't feel like I'm justified. (laughs) You're like me. We're still a work in progress. We still mess up. We still sin. We still need help. We still need forgiveness. We still need the Savior named Jesus. That's why when there are times when I invite folks out, I had a chance to invite three people out this week uh, to church, and actually one of them there in Kroger that I got a chance to talk to stood up and was like, well, I don't like going to church. Church is just full of hypocrites. You ever gotten that one? I don't like that church. It's full of hypocrites, full of hypocrites. Christians are hypocrites. You know what I've answered? And I did this in Kroger. You know, aisle four, just stand there talking to person. I look at him and say, you're exactly right. We got room for one more. (laughs) Come on. We're good. We got room. And they looked at me funny. I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah, I'm forgiven by Jesus Christ, but I'm a work in progress. I still sin. I still mess up. The difference between you and me right now is I know where to go for forgiveness. His name's Jesus. And that's what we call sanctification, that that God is making us more like Jesus Christ over time. And we're not perfect yet. But then there comes a point in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, when you die, and when you die, you go to heaven as a believer in Jesus. 1 John 3 says that we then will see him like he is, and we will be like him. And that's when we are sinless. That's when now we are without sin, and that's what we call glorification. right? So we are justified when we get his righteousness. 
We are being made like Christ, and that's sanctification. That's a progressive work that God does in our lives. And now, because we have his righteousness, when you die, you're glorified in heaven. You're just like Jesus. No sin. Perfect in all ways. And when you think about that this morning, when you think about that verse, that exchange that God offers you, he gets your sin, you get his righteousness, what ought your response be? What should you think? How should you feel? Does this cause you to want to praise the Lord more when you start thinking about this great exchange that has happened in your salvation? I mean, I, I love this song that we sing here some. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Christ the Lord upon a tree. In the stead of ruined sinners hangs the Lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold. Bringing many sons to glory. Grace unmeasured, love untold. When you stop and think about that great exchange, Christ gets your sin. You get His righteousness. What does that cause you to want to do? How do you feel? What are the emotions? Is more worship stirring in your mind? Is there a, a, a heart of gratitude? Is there a heart of praise? See, for the believer in Jesus Christ, praise ought to never be optional in our lives. Because when we understand this foundational truth of what He's done for our salvation, this is what comes out of us naturally. Praise and honor and worship because of what He's done. Maybe this morning... Does this want to cause you to believe in Christ? I mean, today you've not started that personal relationship with Christ Jesus. And you hear that truth. Wait a minute. Jesus gets my sin and, and I'm forgiven. And now God sees me as one of His own. And God accepts me because of what Christ has done and not because of what have I done. Maybe today that causes you to want to be saved. Well, I want to point you to verses 1 and 2 in, verse, in chapter 6. It says, Working together with Him then... We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in favorable time, I listen to you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Maybe that's for you today. You have not yet, in the course of your life, placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says it's a favorable time. It's a good time. Today, can that be that day of salvation for you? And so, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to invite you to respond in the manner and way that God is putting on your heart. And so, as you just bow and, and pray with me, think about that simple truth. Jesus gets my sin. I get His righteousness. And as you reflect on that, what comes to your mind, what comes in your heart, voice that in a prayer to God. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, Go to heightschurch.org slash give.